Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 137 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. We are in the thick of sports season. We've got NBA season. We've got NFL regular season winding down and playoffs coming up. We've got the college football playoff this weekend. And Bet Online is the best place for all your sports betting action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, 50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offer for the rest of 2021 and on into 2022. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 137, for the love of the game, let's get this work. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh. <laughs> Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Here I am in the place where I come let go. In Miami, the base and the sunset low. Every day like a Mardi Gras. Everybody party all day. No work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, leave the rest to spill. Me and Charlie at the bar running up a high bill. You know what it is? Episode 137 for the love of the game with your boy Aaron Tobin Hess back behind the mic. And as many of you know, I made a little bit of a life transition, took my talents down to the 305, and right now uh, we're hanging out in Bell Harbor. Really fantastic. So thanks for everybody for wishing me uh, well as I uh, test the waters in Miami and Bell Harbor a little bit. But that doesn't mean the content's going to change. Doesn't mean I'm any less New York than I, I was before. We're just, you know, may have a little bit more of a tan most of the year. But other than that, nothing else is really going to change. So let's dive right in as it took a little bit of a break last week as I was moving as the Christmas holiday. But now that that's over, we're back in the saddle, back behind the mic, spitting some facts. All right. So let's start with the New York Giants, a team that I have become completely apathetic towards. It was announced this week that they are bringing back Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. I just, I just don't understand. All right, I don't understand. Why, why make this announcement? What, what's the point? Odds are they're going to fire Dave Gettleman, right? And the new general manager is going to want to pick his coach and going to want to pick his quarterback. Now, I understand with Daniel Jones, with the uh, picking up the option just to see what's going on because there's no real great quarterback talent in the first round that's worthy of a top 10 pick right now and who knows that may change and of course in that scenario this year the Giants may have two top 10 picks and no quarterback is worthy of that high of a selection because of course that's how things happen for the Giants these days so I understand the Daniel Jones piece the Joe Judge piece I don't understand I just don't understand So you're telling me that assuming that they're going to fire Dave Gettleman, which if they don't, the fan base is going to riot, that the new general manager is going to have to work with Joe Judge? Like, what has Joe Judge done with this organization that he has such a stranglehold on the organization? I don't get it. 
And it's not as if Bill Belichick disciples had had a tremendous amount of success on their own coaching in the NFL. Like, why does Joe Judge get this special treatment after the Giants are completely lifeless week in and week out? And he seems, says the same bullshit at the podium after games. Like, I thought our effort was great today, but the execution was poor. Like, what is that? No one cares about your Belichick-isms, bro. Belichick, it only works for him because he's won a tremendous, tremendous amount. No one cares if you try to act like Bill Belichick and you, you're 4-10. No one gives a shit, dude. No one cares. Last year, fine, it was the first year, year one. But the Giants have regressed this year from last year. I don't understand the vote of confidence with him. I just don't get it. Giants fans, like, why should I feel good about Joe Judge? Why should I feel good about this organization as a whole? Like, they're turning into what the Knicks were in the mid-2000s. Just a disaster. And not just a disaster in terms of win-loss, but just rudderless absolutely rudderless from the top down and the ownership group, which had so much goodwill from the fans after winning two Super Bowls with Eli Manning against the Patriots is, is losing it because it's been a decade of shit since then a decade, right? They made the playoffs that one year, I think it was 2016, right? Like Eli Manning's last good year. They got blown out in the first round, the famous boat picture. Other than that, they I don't think they've had a winning season. I, I just don't get it. Why the franchise loves Joe Judge so much. I, like, imagine being so bad at your job and having the ultimate job security. Makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. I, I don't even know why I'm wasting time ranting on this. But when I saw the push notification the other morning from ESPN that Schefter reported it, I'm just like, I, I just... I, I can't, for the life of me, understand what the hell's happening here. But anyway, the Giants suck, and I'm not talking about them for a good eight months. A couple of other quick NFL thoughts. So remember I said a couple of weeks ago, well, th that the Chiefs are probably going to go back to the Super Bowl? They're really rounding into form, and that's looking more and more likely as the AFC. I, I don't see any real challenger to them. You can maybe make a case for the Colts just because Jonathan Taylor has been so superb, but you don't trust Carson Wentz to go into Arrowhead and win a game against Patrick Mahomes. So odds are the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, which is so funny that like two months ago we were writing them off. That's like, is Mahomes a little overrated? You know, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? It's like, settle down, all right? Settle down, just a blimp in the radar. And I love this one because a couple of weeks ago, the New England Patriots threw the ball three times, beat Buffalo in a weird game. The weather was all over the place. And the Pats fans were getting so high and mighty, so high and mighty, those Patriots fans screaming Super Bowl. Teams going to the Super Bowl. What's happened since? They lost to the Colts. The Bills come up to Gillette and kick the shit out of them in their home stadium. Just so you see what happens when normal conditions are played that the Patriots 
are what they are. They're a six or a seven seed. Like, congratulations on a nice year. Mac Jones is struggling a little bit right now, but there's hope that he's pretty good. But Patriots fans, I told you then after the, the first Bills game to settle down that the shit's not going to work in December and January. And guess what? Who's proven to be correct? This guy usually happens. So Patriots fans, go back to your rightful spot in the NFL hierarchy, a 6-7 seed, a nice story, but nothing more. And don't try and convince me that Matt Jones was ever going to lead this Patriots team to a Super Bowl, all right? And yes, Brady at this point is more responsible for the team winning titles because he actually plays on the field than Bill Belichick. So just shut up, Pats fans. Shut up. They're the worst. The worst. The absolute worst. One last thing on the NFL. So I had a very nice week against the spread. I posted the picks on Instagram. Was uh, four and one against the spread. The teaser also hit, so it was a good week. It's really early to handicap right now as a recording. Recording on a Tuesday. It's a little early. But the one play I'm for sure going to have is the Lions. Rode the Lions last week against Atlanta. They are six and a half point underdogs against Seattle. Seattle, which looks absolutely lifeless. Seattle, that same Seattle team that is in complete disarray and just lost to the Bears at home. All right. They're six and a half point favorites against a Lions team that plays hard. I don't care where the game is played. I know it's being played in Seattle, but I don't even care. You know, Seattle, Detroit, it doesn't matter. That is the lock of the week. Lions plus six and a half. Other than that, I don't really have any other thoughts on picks against the spread, but stay tuned. I will post the picks on Instagram as I normally do. But yeah, that's a couple of NFL thoughts. Transitioning over to the NBA. The Christmas Day games have come and gone. That's the NBA's real showcase. Obviously this year with the uh, the COVID situation, the marquee matchups didn't look as good. It was, it was good to see Giannis back. He had a uh, the Christmas Day game was his first game back after being in the protocol. I don't understand the protocols. It just seems a little illogical to me, given that guys are with their teammates in a locker room, but some guys are in protocol and some guys aren't in protocol. I don't know. Just whatever. I'm not talking about COVID. That's not what you come here for. But so we're going to start with a little bit of a Knicks update, where I am emotionally with the Knicks after their Nice win on Christmas Day against the Atlanta Hawks without Trey Young. So you can't take too much stock into that. It, it was nice to see the Knicks not give up 100 points in the game. But again, who does Atlanta have? Julius Randle had a nice game. I still, I still don't see it. Even when he had a nice game, he had moments in that game where the effort is just poor. They'll turn the ball over and then not get back on defense. Some of the shot selection, I know they went in on uh, Saturday, but I just don't, he's holding the franchise hostage and he's holding Tom Thibodeau hostage. And I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The minute they realized that Julius Randle was an aberration last year is the minute that the team can move on as a franchise and, and go in, the, in another direction. But a couple of things that I do like, Quentin Grimes is really, really good. All right. He's good. The jump shot is pure. He has a little playmaking to him, can handle a little bit. He tries hard on defense. He needs to play. 
He needs to play. And it was nice to see Kemba Walker. I know they made a big deal about a triple-double. Uh, he was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, has played well since he was banished from the Knicks lineup. I, I know I said the experiment is over. And it still may be, but with the Derrick Rose injury, he, Kemba's going to have to play. And, and maybe he just needed a break to reset things. Maybe he just needed a break. But it would be really, really nice if Tom Thibodeau treated Evan Fournier and Julius Randle the same way he treated Kemba Walker, all right? It'd be nice if he was consistent because Julius Randle can play like shit and nothing seems to happen to him. And again, I know he played well Christmas Day. Evan Fournier has played like dog shit most of the season, but nothing happens to him in his minutes. It'd just be nice if Tibbs treated everybody equally. But whatever, that, that's my Knicks rant. The schedule is a little favorable right now. They're going to hopefully get fat on some bad teams the next two and a half weeks. But you can't even say that because even in a night before the Christmas Day game against the Washington Wizards without Bradley Beal, the Wizards team that has sucked the last three weeks, Kemba Walker goes for damn near almost 50 points, and the Knicks can't even win that game. So we'll see what the next two and a half weeks hold, but – I'm still a little frustrated with the Knicks and the Tom Thibodeau shtick. I know it was great last year, but it's kind of wearing thin on me right now. Uh, the other Christmas Day games, again, it was ne- the second game. It was nice to see Giannis back. And he's just he's just a pleasure. I mean, he absolutely dominated that game down the stretch, won the game. I mean, that block he had on the two-on-one with Jason Tatum and Robert Williams to end the game was just superhuman stuff. I mean. You saw the superhuman stuff in the NBA Finals. You shouldn't be surprised at this point. He's the best player in the league. And the Milwaukee Bucks are 14-2 and when they have Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday playing. They're the best team in the league. They're the favorites to win the titles. I know what Golden State's doing out west. I know they're going to get Clay back, but I still think Milwaukee's the best team in the league and should be the title favorites. As for Boston, just more stuff down the stretch. A lot of isolation, a lot of one-on-one, nothing, you know, is is pretty, nothing flows. And I, I do think the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown thing is coming to a head. We've seen it now. It's a large enough sample size. They don't make each other better. They don't make other guys better. And I would trade Jason Tatum, who is nipping at the heels of Anthony Davis on the most overrated player in the league. I mean, His efficiency in isolation scoring is disgustingly low. I mean, I think it was like 43rd or something like that in efficiency. It's just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see what everybody is telling me I should see. I would trade Jason Tatum when I could. Golden State going into Phoenix, two of the best teams in the league. Golden State going in without Jordan Poole, a little shorthanded and beating Phoenix on the road is really, really impressive. That was the most impressive win of the day. As for the Lakers and the Nets, Nets shorthanded, no Kyrie Irving, who's going to be coming back for road games. He's, but ironically, the unvaccinated guy is in COVID protocol. No Kevin Durant, he's in the protocol too. James Harden was back. He was sensational. He had that Nick Claxton monster dunk at the end over LeBron. LeBron was great in this game, but the Lakers are a disaster. They fell behind early. Russell Westbrook is just a train wreck on defense, even worse than his offense. His offense was bad. I just, 
The Lakers are a little lucky in the sense that the West from top to bottom, besides for Golden State and Phoenix, who are clear one and two, and Golden State's the clear one even over Phoenix, especially knowing that Clay is coming back very soon. The Lakers are lucky because they're going to be hosting a play-in game almost by default because the rest of the Western Conference sucks. But they stink. They just absolutely stink. It doesn't work. And it makes me happy to see. <laughs> it, it really does. But yeah, they're going to be a playing game and basically be irrelevant most of the year. But uh, LeBron James has played better as of late. He's been ex- absolutely sensational. But it, it's not going to matter because he's at a point in his career where he can't push these guys and they're bad defensively. It is what it is. They're, they're, they're a middling team that will be lucky to be a couple of games above 500. And even that's when Anthony Davis comes back because Anthony Davis is the most overrated player in the league. And he's been largely bad this year. Anyway, last thing was the Utah Jazz against the Dallas Mavericks. Shorthanded Mavericks team, which was a bummer because Luka Doncic is out uh, with COVID protocol. The one takeaway I have from this is Donovan Mitchell is that guy. All right. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it again. Devin Booker's really good. Donovan Mitchell's a cut above. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is one of the 10 best players in the league. But ultimately with Utah, none of it's going to matter come playoff time. I I know what the regular season is going to look like. None of it's going to matter come playoff time because any team with Rudy Gobert, assuming most people are healthy, any team with Rudy Gobert making a max contract is not going to win a title. It's just not. It's not. Uh, unless Donovan Mitchell goes 92 Jordan on somebody, then I, I just don't see Utah getting out of the second round or, or even winning the Western Conference. That's a couple of NBA thoughts. NBA is going to hit a little bit of a lull season, but maybe it'll have a little bit of juice with guys getting back on the court. With that said, we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff as it's coming up this weekend with a recurring guest. I'm sure you can guess who it is in just a matter of moments. Tis the season. It's that time of year again where I watch basically the only four college football games in their entirety that I do all year. The college football playoff is here. We've got Alabama, Cincinnati. We've got Michigan, Georgia. And you know who I had to bring on because Michigan slayed the dragon. They beat Ohio State. He was on cloud nine. I'm sure he's still on cloud nine. He said he was satisfied with just beating Ohio State. I don't believe him. You know who it is. Recurring guest, Jordan Marks. Jordan, how are you feeling right now, man, on the eve of oh, Michigan's game against Georgia? I'm, uh, I'm feeling great. Um, I'm, yeah, again, I, I said I would be satisfied, and then obviously it would have been a huge letdown to lose that Big Ten title game to Iowa when you're such heavy favorites. Um, but then we just, the way we beat them, just blowing them out. And then what happened in the SEC championship with, with Georgia, just getting ransacked and pillaged by Alabama. Um, it's, 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 hard, it's really hard for me not to say, I, I don't want more because damn, I mean, it's, it's all there for the taking now. And, uh, and you know, at, at, at the Heisman ceremony, watching Aiden Hutchinson get up there, even though obviously the Heisman is a stupid award that is kind of backwards and a quarterback's most likely always going to win. But just to have him there uh, in New York City and he was the runner things, up, right? Well, yes, he was the runner up. All things coming up, maize and blue. I mean, if, if if Alabama doesn't win, I think you're looking at a defensive Heisman 
winner because there's no way that the, the pit quarterback's winning and there's no way that they're going to pick the Ohio state guy over the Michigan guy, regardless if he's a quarterback. So um, I, really, really just a special, special moment for this program and, and kind of unbelievable that we're here after uh, after the decade plus worth of crap in Michigan football. So yeah, super excited, big game down in Miami by you this week. So pumped up. When you said uh, basically Dianu after the Ohio State game, I was like, I don't believe him for an absolute second, but it's good that you admitted it. It's good that you admitted it and it's good. So let, let's start with the Michigan-Georgia game. Might as well, all right? So the line right now, uh, as I'm looking on ESPN, is uh, Georgia minus seven and a half. The over-under is 45 and a half. Both these teams boast incredible defenses. Uh, offenses are a little suspect in terms of being high octane. Um, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about Georgia not really having a real signature marquee win on the schedule this year. Uh, there have been questions about their offense. Uh, Michigan has had quarterback questions, as you know. So let's start here. Why am I crazy to think that Michigan can win this game outright? I mean, I'm not going to say you're not crazy, but I, if, you, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to answer that question, um, you're, you're going to start with just, just the talent level. Um, the talent level on Georgia is, is supreme. I mean, they are, you're talking about a top three recruiting class every year for the past five years, where Michigan's more so in that seven to 15 range, right? So you're dealing with mostly first, second, and third round picks from a depth standpoint. Um, you're talking but about all on the defensive side of the ball, right? No, they're, no they're, their offensive line is very good. Uh, the running backs are outstanding. I mean, you have, you know, Zamir White, who's been a stud. James Cook, who's Dalvin's brother, is amazing. Brock Bowers. Oh, he's got, he's got bloodlines. All right, fine. Yeah. Brock Bowers is a five-star tight end, and he's been – he's 11 touchdowns on the season. Um, it, Stetson Bennett has questions. And, and, again, a stud offensive line. But yes, you have to start with talking about the defense. This is was a historic defense coming up until the Alabama game. Um, you, you start with the linebacking core and, and N'Kobe Dean, who's one of the best linebackers, if not one of the best defensive players in all of college football. Um, you have Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt up front, two amazing senior, beefy, 3-4 uh, nose tackle DN types. Uh, and, and then you have a, a solid secondary uh, one that Bryce Young carved up quite a bit, but again, a lot of talent there on the defensive side, and they really did plow through their SEC schedule, regardless of no marquee type games, but still it's the SEC East. We're not talking about, um, you know, the Mac here. So it's, it's, it was an impressive, impressive season from them. And, and yeah, just a ton of talent, which is why they are getting so much, uh, giving, giving up so much juice in this game. Did you see anything in the Alabama game? Uh, specifically from Bryce Young, that makes you optimistic about Michigan's ability to attack them uh, on offense? Um, sort of. I mean, Bryce Young's, uh, the, the way that um, Alabama runs their offense is, is it, it has to be different than Michigan. Michigan doesn't have the, the, the receiving core that, that Alabama has. Michigan doesn't have the running backs that Alabama has. And, and Michigan has a great offensive line. They won the best offensive line unit award. Um, but again, it, it, all that package together, it's not, it's not that. And Bryce Young was stellar in that game. I did see some things. I, I do think there's ways that you can um, beat Georgia over the top. Um, I, I don't know if Michigan can replicate that. 
I don't know if Michigan's going to try to replicate that as much as Bryce Young did. I don't, I don't think that's what Michigan's offense does. I think Michigan's offense will will try to pave the way on the ground and then hit them over the top. I think they're going to try to do short slants, um, stuff over the middle, which which could be very dangerous in the teeth of this Georgia defense. Um, but but it's worked at times. And, and knock on wood, Cade McNamara has been very safe with the football. I think he only has two or three interceptions on the season. Um, which is really impressive. But again, they don't ask him to do a lot. So um, no, we don't have Bryce Young. Um, that's why he won the Heisman Award. But uh, we, we do have a really formidable front. We have a great running back in Hassan Haskins, which I, I think he's, he's better than anyone Alabama has just on a player by player running back comparison. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I do think that I do think we have a chance there. And on defense, right? You know, Georgia's not, you know, they've got quarterback questions. For sure. Um, if, if Aiden Hutchinson is the best player on the field, which he very well could be, like Michigan should be able to, to, to win this game in a close one, I, I feel like, because, you know, especially with like an elite pass rusher, that's that disruptive. Agreed. Like you, he can win a game by himself. Agreed. I agreed. I, I, I do think that that's the matchup that you, that you look to expose. I think Daniel Ojabo also, who's under the radar and is also probably a first round pick who's on the other side of Hutchinson, um, which Hutchinson get, get garners so much attention. Um, but um, Ojabo himself is, is a very, very impressive player and, and future NFL star. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that defensive line versus offensive line matchup. Um Bama had three or four sacks in the SEC championship game. Um, and, and up to that point, Georgia had let up only like three or four sacks. So it's like, um, I think this is a, an area that Michigan has to expose if they think they're going to win this game. They need to get Stetson Bennett uncomfortable because he's not a very impressive quarterback. You can see they don't ask him to do a lot. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you recall, which um, JT Daniels was the starting quarterback at the start of the year, and they had to actually pull him and put in yeah. Stetson Bennett. So um, I think that Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo making him uncomfortable and then uh, Michigan's secondary making some plays, maybe causing some turnovers, um, giving us shorter field position would be really, really beneficial to get a uh, victory. Do we think um, Michigan's wide receivers, can they, can they win one-on-one -on -one matchups going vertically, right? Because obviously, you know, it's not Bryce Young throwing the ball. It's not Alabama, but – does Michigan have have anybody who who's just like a burner, right? Just runs a four two four three, just straight verts and just and just put it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen, like when you're comparing them to Alabama's receivers, I I don't think they're there. I think that Jameson Williams and and Ja'Cory Brooks are, are another level of receiver. Well, um, Alabama's been has been producing awesome wide receivers for like yeah. the last five years that have been right. NFL really they, good wide receivers. So it's not comparable, but you still can have like you gotta sure. have a guy who can just run a post and just like take the top off or at least be a threat. We, we do, and and Andrew Anthony has been a really star freshman. He's been great. Um, Cornelius Johnson has has great hands and, and had a leaping ability, um, but. I, I really think it's it's if if Cade McNamara can put it on the money, I think I think we'll be we'll be in good shape. Um, but again, I I don't think that you're going to see that often. That's just not what we do, and it's not how we're. That's again when we talked about the over under earlier. 
we're, we're you're talking about that because I think it's going to be, it's not going to be like the SEC championship where they're, you know, you're running and gunning. I think it's going to be a slower possession game. Um, and, and we're going to try to, you know, create some turnovers, create some short fields, but uh, not going to be looking to, you know, go into the teeth of the Georgia secondary too often. Was the line at seven and a half a little surprising? Um, obviously, there, there's been this SEC bias um, throughout, you know, the media when it comes to college football. Obviously, that trickles down to the public and, and, and the betting public. But it's not like Michigan played in, like, the WAC or something. Like, they played the Big Ten, right, that has a ton of top 15 teams also, like, I just thought it was yeah. a little surprising. It was a little high, you know, for a team that didn't win their conference championship game and just came off getting, you know, beaten pretty soundly by Alabama that was considered inferior after having a quote-unquote historic defensive run throughout the year. I just thought it was a little weird. Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. I think you know, it's definitely the SEC bias, right? Um, that's one. I, I, I you're, you're, you're dead on. I mean, it's not even that just that they play in – the SEC they play in the SEC East it's it's a, it's a down year for the SEC East Florida was an absolute dumpster fire um is th their toughest game I think was either Kentucky or Arkansas like it's not even um it, it wasn't that good of a, a schedule and then they get their the shit kicked out of them by Bama um in the SEC championship so um it, and and they did beat Clemson but what by one score in in, in the first week of the season so um, I, I agree. And, and everyone's going to be talking about Georgia's schedule, but again, it's, it's Kirby smart. It's a talented team. Um, and, and the stats are there. So I, it's not totally surprising because it is an SEC team, um, playing against the big 10 team and until the big 10 can really prove it, I don't think that's going to change. Um, but I, I, as far as I'm, I'm not that into the betting, but I believe it was even a higher spread than this when it started. I think that Michigan fans bet it down from like 10, nine and a half or something down to seven and a half. Well, the, the Michigan money has been coming in because if you look at the prices to go to the game, Michigan's buying up a lot of tickets. There are, there are a lot of, uh, hedge fund managers who probably went to Michigan who are living in Stanford, Connecticut right now that are, are getting tickets and probably going to try and pop bottles at live afterwards. And there'll be yeah. a, it'll be a time. I don't consider it a Georgia home game by any means. Just because, be. it's, just because it's closer, no way. <laughs> no chance. So, but on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you feel right now? You should feel, obviously you have baggage as being a Michigan fan <laughs> and, um, and just a general New York sports fan. And I think the baggage definitely trickles over, but you should feel pretty good, no? I, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, my baggage poof went goodbye when we beat Ohio state. Um, but, uh, you know, confidence in winning this game, like a five, I mean, I really don't know. I, that, that's not bad. Uh, that's I, not I, bad. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. I just, you're in the middle. If, I, if I said eight or nine, I'd be like my brother or something, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's no, I, I, I think they're a very, very good football team who I think that, our, our coaching staff is going to really respect and we've had a lot of time to prepare. And I think that we have an experienced team that's going to take this game extremely seriously. So uh, hopefully we, hopefully we can come out on top and then get to the national title game. Let's switch gears to the other game. So we have Alabama, the one against Cincinnati, 
everything broke right for Cincinnati. The non-power five team finally got in. Um, Luke Fickle has been a hot name for a whole bunch of other jobs, but he seems to be a um, Midwest guy. I don't think he's going to leave this program just yet. Um, what do we think about this game? Right now, the line I'm looking at it is Alabama as uh, a 13 and a half point favorite over unders 58. This one to me again, and, and I'm not like the biggest ass expert. It, it's either going to be, and this may sound stupid, but like, it's either just going to be an absolute route or Cincinnati is going to have a chance to win on the last drive. Yeah. I, I, I don't see like, I just don't see like a 27-17 type game uh, for just, some crazy reason. Yeah, I don't – this is so tough to, to handicap here because I – Cincinnati has not seen a team like this. I mean, they played Notre Dame, but I, Notre Dame itself was a softer team. I, they, they didn't really play anyone else. Um, and then, you know – this is another level of talent. And, and yes, granted, Alabama had their struggles. They almost lost to Florida. They went to triple OT with Auburn, who was missing their starting quarterback. I, I, Alabama gets everyone's best shot every, every single game of the season. So, and when you're playing against talented SEC teams, even if they're teams in down seasons like Florida or Auburn, it's just, it, it's another level. And, and, when you give Nick Saban time to prepare for a playoff game, it is very foolish to bet against him. And, and we all know that. Uh, I, the, the main thing here, I think, is, is that quarterback battle. I mean, you're looking at Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, and, and Desmond Ritter, who's one of the top three, four quarterback coming out to the NFL, um, both extremely, extremely highly successful quarterbacks. Um, Desmond Ritter, who's probably the lesser known of the two, uh, fifth year senior I mean he has a ton of experience uh he himself beat Georgia uh, in a bowl game so uh he's he's very good and I don't think a lot of people know much about him he's not going to turn the ball over often uh, and they will throw the ball and they're going to throw it into the Alabama defense um it's 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 going to be it's going to be a real interesting matchup but um, I do think that Alabama's talent is overwhelming. Um, so I, I'm probably leaning towards the blowout versus the last second, uh, you know. Bama's, Bama's defense, it hasn't been a typical Bama defense this year. Like we've seen over the last 10 years or so that, you know, Bama's had like the best defense in the country. This year hasn't been that. So when you have a, a first round talent at quarterback, like can he may be able to make the game close himself, but can, but can Cincinnati's defense hang? Can they hang enough to give, you know, uh, Ritter enough, you know, just enough wiggle room to make a play down the stretch? I, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's defense is really where you should start because Cincinnati has two first round corners. Um, in Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. I mean, the Kobe Bryant is pro football focus, best corner in the country. Uh, so th these are like very, very good uh, defensive backs. And granted, this is against the AAC that they put most of their stats up. And uh, as we said, Jameson Williams is another level, but it, it, it is important to say that in the SEC championship, Alabama lost John Mechie, who is their number one wide receiver, uh, I think torn ACL. So he's not playing. 
does it really matter if you lose a wide receiver in your Alabama? Probably not so much. No, because you have a because you have a pipeline that basically just right. spits them out. Right, and and uh, basically, yeah. But but the the Cincinnati corners are are probably probably the best unit on the field, to be honest. Um, and I, I think that Bryce Young going against these corners is going to be really interesting. Um, but I think your question was, is it in Desmond Ritter's hands? I, yes. I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to come down to it because they're going to have to make plays because Alabama's offense can score quickly. And we've all seen it before time and time again, uh, they're going to give the ball to Jerome Ford quite a bit too. Jerome Ford's a really productive running back. He's got like 1200 yards on the season. So, um, it, it, it's, it, it will come down to that. I do think, and, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to, they can't be wasting possessions on field goals. They can, they cannot turn the ball over. Um, it, it's a playoff game. They're going to have to take this extraordinarily seriously and uh, they're going to have to score touchdowns. The Bama offensive line, again, also not as great as it's been in years past. Um, I think it's resulted in, I know, you know, They've had a good year running the ball, but not like an Alabama type year running the ball. Is this something that Cincinnati can exploit? Because obviously the strength of the defense is their two corners, which kind of plays into their hands when Alabama's strength of their offense is throwing the ball with, with Bryce Young. But like, can can the the front seven of Cincinnati wreak enough havoc where it's it's quarterback versus quarterback? Um, maybe I, I totally agree with you. Alabama's offense, it, it's younger, the offensive line. Uh, so they've definitely been exposed at times. And, and you saw that in the iron bowl, they really struggled until overtime when Bryce Young had to make plays on his own. Um, and, and they, they haven't, they have been, um, pre- pretty soft for, from an Alabama standpoint. Um, I do think that, that the Cincinnati defense has the playmakers, Joel DeBlanco, um, Curtis Brooks, the nose tackle is, is a beast. Um, Cincinnati's defense is good. I, I, I do think they'll be there and, and they can play that man defense so they can send four or five guys in on passing downs and make it, make life tough for, uh, Bryce Young. Um, but Bryce Young has a ton of playmakers around him. So it's, it's, it, it, it he doesn't need that much time to get out. And when he's out of the pocket, Bryce Young also excels. So, and we've seen that. So, um, I think it's possible um, because you're right. Yeah, Alabama offensive line is is younger and weaker, but again, they're they're still talented. Okay, so let's not forget that they are talented. Right. Um, it's just a matter of degree, right? Because right. as opposed to having like two first round picks, they have two second round picks. Right, and and also maybe they will be first round picks, just not this year, right? So. Um, I, I, yeah, I, it's, it's possible. Um, but again, you're giving Nick Saban a month to prep. So it's not like this is the week after the SEC championship and you got to do this on a quick turnaround. So you got to take that into account that what is the line on this game? 13 and a half for Bama. Holy moly. Okay. <laughs> That's a, I feel like, but I feel like in most years it would be 17, you know, in this situation, you know, playoff or, game. or bonkers. Or, no, but but Bama gets the utmost respect. I mean, I, they they've earned it. But I feel like in most years, if this was you know, if you said Cincinnati against Alabama, right, the line would be seventeen to twenty. I think the fact that, and again, I am no expert here, but just 
from what I hear from you know the the news cycle that it's that it's under it's under two well it's about two scores but the fact that it's not even above two scores maybe people are respecting Cincinnati a little bit uh, for what they do and maybe it's just like well this isn't Alabama's best team that they've had and it's just been a weird college football year yeah I, I think the the conversation needs to move to will Cincinnati cover. Because if they won outright, that would be the biggest sports story in college football in such a long time. Um, and and it, it, listen, it's possible, but holy moly, I, if this was a game like a New Year's Bowl game, like a New Year's Day Bowl game, like a, a Fiesta Bowl or something like that, like a big bowl game, I could totally see Cincinnati doing this. Uh, this is a different level. Uh, this is a, a national championship on the line for Nick Saban, and they take, take it seriously. And the players also will, will get that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, there's just a lot of talent there. And, and we'll say, I, I, I don't know. Um, and the outright. fact that, and the fact that Cincinnati did it, it's almost like you have to consider the fact that they're, they're happy to be there. I mean, obviously they're, they're looking to win the game. They think they can win right. the game because you have to, that's how you have to feel, but there could be a level of, well, we didn't, no one ever gave us a shot to make this game. And now that we're here, like we've kind of accomplished, you know, our, our goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Like, and again, like, I'm not, a, I'm not a college football better. I'm not a college football handicapper. I've never placed a bet on a college football game in my life. I don't know. It just, there's something weird about these two lines that it just, there's fake. They're, they're really thick. I, I also, lastly, we'll talk about like some of the intangibles, but like there's no way that that the it's the Cincinnati fans are not going to travel like the Michigan fans. I think the Alabama fans will be there in Jerry World and uh, in, in full force. Um, I, I think a lot of Cincinnati fans will be there. But when you're talking about like a, I like to think Alabama is more of like a national team almost that there's play. It's not just the state of Alabama. There's people coming from that's going to be a home game for Alabama. I, I, well, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think there'll be more Alabama fans in the building. Um, listen, they, they also all, it's a 13 and a half point spread. So they also want to save up and because they think they're going to the national championship too. Right. So um, I think that they're planning on going to Indianapolis as well a couple of a week later. So um, we'll see. So if you had to, if you had to do it, you're betting the two games, what would you lean um and uh yeah that's very much what would you lean i mean these spreads are insane um I, yeah i think michigan can cover for sure i mean that's that's a, that's a big one and then um i think that uh whew, 13 and a half is so much i think i definitely think cincinnati can cover that i mean that's that seems like a lot but I, can i see like a 42 to 17 type game where Alabama, like Will Anderson's just in the backfield making life miserable for Desmond Ritter, kind of. Um, but I could also see a game where, like, they backdoor cover, you know, and it's all they have to do is lose by, like, 12 or something. So I could see that. Uh, that's why I, I think I, just, I would just take – get those points in both games. That's what, that's what I would lean to, just take the points and, and, and hope for the best. And I actually think Michigan could win outright – if I were to actually put a wager on this, I would do Michigan with the points parlayed with the under and have it be like, and hope that it's 20, 
four. No, that's not. That's twenty four twenty one. Michigan would actually would would, would get you the win um, uh, on the par, on, on the parlay. That'd be very very nice. Before I let you go, got to continue with the Mets hot streak, right? You've always been dubious about the Mets. I've been telling you that right now it's better to be a Met fan than a Yankee fan. Buck Showalter is the manager of the Mets. How do you feel about the Mets? Are you starting to come around or are you still scarred from all the misery? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm not still scarred, I guess. Um, I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I mean, what, what, what are you getting from, what are you getting from your pitching staff? Right. What are you getting from DeGrom? What are you getting from Scherzer? So like, it's, We'll see what we'll see what happens. I, I just want everyone to be healthy, and I want them to have a productive season. I don't. I mean, everyone says that Buck was the guy. I mean, you know, your boy JJ was calling for him for such a long time. Um, I don't know how much a manager does if he doesn't have a full, healthy pitching staff. That's going to be great. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, we'll see. But it's all right because baseball won't have a season, so it's all good. <laughs> I hope that's not a thing. <laughs> I can't remember the last time that Yankee fans were like, I hope the season's canceled. And Met fans were like, we need to have a season. Like right. the, the tables have turned, Jordan. The tables have turned. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh it's a great eye for the Mets. It's 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 a baseball dude, like a little old school, none of this number crunching bullshit that I've had enough of that I have to deal with. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. It's, uh, but again, who cares? Because there will be no baseball season. Maybe you'll you'll catch a game in the, in the sold out Marlin stadium. Sold out Marlin stadium. Uh, I probably won't, but, but unless DeGrom is pitching, if DeGrom's pitching, it's worth, it's worth a trip. (laughs) Worth a trip. All right. So Jordan, this was wonderful. Um, I wish you the best of luck on Friday. We're pulling for you. All right. Um, try to enjoy it. Make sure you have uh, everybody on the, um, you know, the, the whole squad ready. If, if there needs to be a celebration. Um, Absolutely. Well, if there's no, there's, there's another game after, regardless of, the, of what happens. <laughs> step by step. But, but as you said, Diana, right. This is like, you know, as the song progresses, this is the next one, you know? Absolutely. All right. Jordan All right, Marks. Thanks so much for taking the time. Go Blue, and I'll speak to you soon, man. Take care. Go Blue. Later. Bye. Thanks again to recurring guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, for talking a little college football. We're excited for him. We're excited for Michigan. We want our recurring guests to have success with their sports teams. Just one quick thing I forgot to mention about the Giants, and then I swear I am done talking about them. The other thing that has been brought up is possibly trading for one of the quarterbacks that are about to hit the market, whether it's Russell Wilson, maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Deshaun Watson, depending on his legal thing, because they have two first round picks. The Giants are not going to do any of that. So Giants fans, don't get your hopes up. That would obviously be awesome, but we're not going to do that. So whatever. The Giants suck. And with that, 
That is episode 137. For the love of the game, take us out, Will Smith. Because you got to have cheese for the summer house. Peace on South Beach. Water so clear, you can see to the bottom. $100,000 cars, everybody got them. Ain't no surprise in the club to see Sly Stallone. Miami, my second home. Miami. Party in the city where the heat is on. All night on the beach till the break is gone. Welcome to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. Bouncing in the club where the heat is on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.